0: This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. My my worry is that the people on Zoom will look here and go, oh, look, this is just a tape of what we did last week. <laughs> and they'll all get up and leave. So... Um, so please don't do that. Um, it's not, I'm gonna give um, exactly the same talk as I gave last week. Um, there's a long history of, um, in the literature of people doing that, like my, the most famous one is um, the whole, you know, fire boy comes seeking fire go on, right? So. And this teacher goes, come, "How come you never see me for Dogen?" I goes, "Oh well, you know, I was enlightened a long time ago, and I, it was this whole thing about, you know, Fire Boy comes seeking fire, and I, I, woke up right." The teacher said that, and I woke up, and and uh, um, the teacher says, "Clearly, you misunderstood." Um, and and the student said, "Okay, well, tell me what what would you say?" And the and the guy. Um it says fireboy comes seeking fire and, and the the uh, student has a new, you know, brand new awakening or something like that. So anyway, so it's gonna be exactly the same talk. Um, um no, that's not true. I'm gonna talk to, okay. So <laughs> the reason I'm here is that originally we were gonna have a High today and then a number of things happened, and we unfortunately weren't able to do it, but um I was gonna come and talk about the precepts and originally was gonna come and talk about the precepts with a couple of um, other teachers. We, we were gonna do a sort of you know, like triple tag team Dharma talk, uh, which would have been fun, but um, in any case, I'm here today and I'm gonna talk about the precepts. Um, hmm. So, like I said last week, there's a kind of it's kind of useful to um, identify the problem, right? And what I said last week and <laughs> the same thing is true this week is is um, that the problem is that we're we're constantly messing things up getting it wrong um we're guided by what well, it um by this sort of well there's an interesting bit in red pine's commentary on the heart sutra where he translates the he retranslates the um section of the sutra where the Zen center translated it as the mind is no hindrance. Right. And he says, actually, the word there is more like barrier and it refers to these barriers to essentially, you know, goodness. <laughs> right. And there, um, as I remember it, he says there the barrier of karmic consequences, um, the barrier of incomplete knowledge and the barrier of grasping and desire, which is essentially an, an analogue of the three poisons, right? Greed, hatred, and del- delusion. And so we're we're moved by the, we're enclosed by those barriers, moved by those, by those poisons in our body and mind to commit really kind of a horrible acts. Um, on all sorts of scales from down from the very tiniest and most intimate up to at this point worldwide, right? And I said last week, that's clear now, but honestly, it's been clear to people for as long as we have a record of what's been clear to people, right? Um, the, the All of the, not all, the vast majority of the ancient literatures of the world and our first examples of written stuff are fundamentally about that, that we're constantly even in you know, even often the 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 plot is you have all these exemplary marvelous people, right? And they're still messing things up. <laughs> um, there's a, I, I think I've mentioned this before, it's one of my favorite examples, but um, there's a passage at the beginning of the Odyssey where it's kind of the intro, right? Where Zeus and Athena are sitting around talking about stuff and, and they're like, God, these people, they're so horrible. <laughs> um, we give them free will and then they mess everything up, and then they blame it on us, the gods. Right? And Zeus says, "I think we should just kill them all and start over." And and uh, and then Athena says, "Well, you know, they're not all bad." And she she makes a play for being nicer to Odysseus, and the, that sort of kicks off the Odyssey. Right, but but I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty bold statement, right? Like, um, you know, we're 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 essentially taking our gift of, you know, you you can you can have an argument about how big this gift is. Um, The the gift of free will. Either we have a gift of free will that's this big, (laughs) or we have a large one. But in any case, it's a gift, right? It's 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 given to us by some combination of, you know, um, cultural and biological evolution and um we we squander it doing horrible things and then and then fall on our knees and say why <laughs> <laughs> kind of bad right um and the is for as long as people have been um recognizing this fact and it's it's useful to speculate, although un, totally unanswerable, about when it started. Like, you know, were humans in the deep Paleolithic suffering in the same way? Yeah, maybe not, right? But we have no idea. Um, certainly, by the time we know about what they were doing, like, you know, the Bronze Age, things were pretty horrible, right? Um, and people have, and people have been writing about it and trying to cook up explanations and solutions ever since. Right, and and there's there was this explosion of literature, oddly enough, around the time of the Buddha. Um, that that traded in. Um, explanations and solutions right and and so for example the you know the most obvious one the kind of or the one that's most familiar to us let's put it that way the the old testament right Um, their explanation is humans were tempted they acted badly um they they acquired this gift of self-realization or self-recognition and free will and they've and for that they've been cursed to to suffer and um and the solution proposed by in that scheme is a set of rules and there's ten of <laughs> it's like be good to each other in the following ways and 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 just do it <laughs> and and then the, the other the other aspect of that solution and the and a lot of solutions like it is that it um it presupposes an omniscient observer and judge and so the idea is it's as though you know your mom was following you around <laughs> and going Hey! Don't do that, <laughs> right? Oh, you said you weren't going to do that, right? Um, th- there's a bunch of those, and then there's a bunch. There's there's some very sophisticated ones like um, uh, Confucianism, which has a has a very a much more complex and and nuanced flavor. But it 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 it's targeted at a, at a, at a complex and nuanced society and how to get people to behave well towards you, towards each other, depending on the specific nature of the relationship they're in. Right. Kind of great. Right. Um, and so on, you know, Buddhism is an explanation and a solution too, right. It, it says more or less is, you know, like the other ones, we're all we're all messing up here. And the the particular explanation it 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 puts out for it is that um, that we're we're induced to suffer and be dissatisfied by something about our our basic nature and we'll talk a little bit about what about our basic nature causes that and that that suffering leads suffering and the self reification that comes with it leads to grasping and and aversion and um bad social behavior and so on and so forth right um but the thing about buddhism is that it from the very beginning, it emphasizes it it um, emphasizes experience, and it points to both outer conduct and inner conduct. Right. So, so even the you, you know we don't really know what the Buddha said originally, but by the time people were writing it down, this what the the record of what he says. Um, well, I mean, for example, the Satipatthana Sutta. Right. So, it it's it's a it's a it's a series of exercises in inner conduct that are designed to produce a being, bring into the world a being who who operates more comfortably and skillfully with the with the human condition and with you know social interactions and so on and and in the end. Um, Manages to rescue her karma from the state that it's that it's in, and 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 allow her to step out of the round of rebirth and suffering. Right, the car- karma, rebirth, and suffering, um, and the. There these these exercises are things like contemplating death and dissolution in various ways and contemplating the the body both as a as a remarkable instrument and also as a as a as a thing that's constantly falling apart and full of, you know. I don't know, like gut bacteria and stuff like that right. but but the other thing that it brings up is it says and you should meet you should of these things in this very specific way like it, with a bring up a mind that's that is perceptive and aware um, acknowledges and affirms the you know the thing that you're um, perceiving and and um, considering and and doesn't condemn it, doesn't elevate it, doesn't struggle with it, um, takes it in in a way that's accepting and, and skillful, right? That's amazing, right? And, and the, the implication from the very beginning was that practicing like this was going to um, save people from suffering, right? Marvelous. The you might ask then why do we have the precepts right um, and it's it's a great question and the the it was it was clearly considered a great question back in the day as well because um, somebody wrote a r- wrote a document about it um, talking about how the precepts came into being I think it's called the Padimoksha, Moksha but um, The story goes that there are all these Buddhists, you know, living together, engaged in, uh, for the most part, exemplary activity, um, you know, diligently pursuing uh, the the practice in the way prescribed the, that was prescribed by the Buddha and so on. And then it turned out some of them weren't being so diligent, right? And they, they you know. In one example, the, somebody turned out to be embezzling money from the sangha, right? And and the Buddha said, ah, we have to have a meeting. And they call he called a meeting. and He said, you knew, you knew this was a terrible idea, and you did it anyway. Um, uh, well, let's make a rule. And so over time, this large body of rules um, came into being that covered a wide variety of things, right? Um, uh gender and sexuality, um, money, um, both money and and things given as donations or held as possessions, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and then down to the the gritty details like how wide should the borders of your robe be if your robe is a particular size, right and and some other stuff like that, right, um, and and so th- so th- after that, and it, and by the time we started actually having a Buddhist literature, which is you know arguably around the time of King Ashoka, a few other few hundred years after um, the life of the Buddha, um, there were a whole bunch of of Buddhist schools um, and. While they agreed in principle on the on on the fundamentals that we are just talking about, you know, people um, people have this capacity to not mess things up by working with their suffering and and working to alleviate it and and so on, right? And and to you know operate comfortably and skillfully in the world with the human condition, right? Um, They disagreed, a lot of them disagreed about the actual content and and function of the vinya, the precepts, right? And they also disagreed on the particulars of how to pursue those fundamentals, right? And so the, the lo- you know the largest school was a was a school of kind of n- naive realists who who explored more and more deeply and in more and more detail the the particulars of the of experience right and and tried to come up with an ex, ex with a exhaustive explanation for human experience right? um, as a as a obviously as a guide to how to do this activity of canceling or not canceling of a uh, of alleviating suffering right um and they they cooked up the abhidharma this well they they, they wrote abhidharma documents let's put it that way um which is to say sort of supplemental dharma right um that that talked in detail about the the roots of experience in the world of form and then the 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 way that sensation happens by contact between parts of the world of form that are part of this body and parts of the world of form that might not be part of this body, right? And and how that turns into perception and how, um, how memory gets tangled up with that and how um, pattern matching and stored... Stored um, habitual responses and all the rest of that sort of thing cook up and how all that stuff happens in the light of a kind of consciousness that that um, that enables agency right It um, enables a kind of. Uh, an illusion of the personal um, and and agency. Um, and they kind of thought that this stuff was real. And that—that's how that it was kind of it was a kind of science, right? Um, and a few hundred years later, um, there was a kind of reaction and critique to that, and and Mahayana Buddhism started to develop. And the the um, Mahayana Buddhism emphasized a couple of things that were slightly different, right? There it was the it it kind of replaced the ideal of the the arhat, who is somebody who had totally, um, you know, like resolved their um, issues, and and wasn't wasn't going to get reborn, right? Um, with with a bodhisattva, who is somebody who um, was down in the world doing, doing the work and putting off um, the, this sort of soteriological goal of being released from the round of birth and death and suffering essentially forever. <laughs> the, um, which, which is in some ways it's a, it's a colossal philosophical shift and also kind of experiential shift when you think about it, right? They, they also emphasize, um, they, they critique the sort of realism, naive realism and, and essentialism of some of the most popular Buddhist schools at the time and replace those with this notion of emptiness, right? The idea that, that um, all of those ways of talking about how the world is, the dharmas are, Um, are fine in a provisional way, but they don't really have any essential self-nature pointing back at the original Buddhist teachings, right? Um, The the teachings of interdependent co-arising and no self, right? So their point was everything, all this stuff has no self. Um, All this stuff arises together, interconnected in a way that's far too complex and, and shifty to grasp. Um, And in any case, um, if we thought we grasped it in one moment, it's, it's ungraspable in the next, right? Um, And in the process of moving to, uh, into China and uh, the advent of Chinese Buddhism and in particular Tendai Buddhism, um, the Tendai school, the precepts were were reconfigured a bit. There's they developed ten what are called in in our in our translation of it sort of grave precepts, and a lot of the other the what had originally been part of the vinia was moved into this sort of document of guidelines. Right, so, so when I was um, going to sew my priest robe, I was talking with Blanche Hardman, and she she brought up all the guidelines that came out of the, the vinia and said, well, you know, they're they're guidelines, right? But I mean they're they're still with us, right? They're just in they have this different, slightly different status, right? Um but so the precepts were simplified. And then the other other thing that they that they did was they cooked up a few other ways of talking about this question. And one of them, um was the paramitas, right? So there are six paramitas and they you can look at them as kind of, um, you can look at them as simultaneously addressing and encouraging in a positive way, um, certain kinds of exemplary inner and outer conduct, right? Um, so in particular, they're, uh, generosity, or Donna, right, um, uh, conduct, per se, so, you know, it's living by the precepts, basically, in Sila, right, um, patience, uh, diligence, meditation, and wisdom, right, so there, that's the six, and somewhere Red Pine says, and, you know, they kind of thought Wisdom was the key one, and so when you read the um, when when you read the vast Mahayana literature, including the not so vast Heart Sutra, it says the 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 the, the sort of ideal of practice is, that it holds up is the practice of uh, prajna Paramita, which is to say the the paramita of wisdom, right? And what means here it's kind of it's kind of interesting right like sometimes it's translated it's as perfect or perfection and sometimes it's it can be translated as transcended right and and both are kind of true of the paramitas right they're they can be seen as a aspirational um, goal of perfection or they can be seen as as Inner and outer contact that transcends concepts like perfection, right? and that um, and that is r- what it is without reference to that. Right? Um, and they were an answer to the, in some ways, to the precepts which are largely prescriptive, right? The, they're you know they're like don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing. Uh, it's more like here's here's how you can in a positive way model your inner and outer conduct in order to uh, practice in this way. And initially it seems to me and to some other people that they were set up as a sequence. So Donna generosity is, was I think conceived as the, um, the province of the laity. (laughs) so the function of the laity was to support generously the monastic community right and the and the and the spread of practice right and then the the second conduct sila right was um was the gate was the gateway to the other four which are because that's that's like taking the presets right um and the other four are patience, diligence, meditation, and and wisdom. You can see how if you looked at that as a sequence while well, you patiently and diligently meditate and then wisdom accrues, right? Done. <laughs> um, but by the time you get to the Zen school, it, it's pretty clear they're not thinking about it that way. There's this, there's this really kind of great koan uh, due to a, not exactly Zen, sort of like early Zen-ish East Mountain School teacher, I think, um, name whose part of whose name was Huai, right? And and a monk asked him, so how do you enter our school? And he says, dana Paramita, the first Paramita, right? And the monk says, Yeah, but there's a bunch of Paramitas, you know, six, and um, and. He might even be implying that maybe Dhanaparamita isn't really the important one, right? Why do you say that? And and the um, and Huihai says, well, you know, ignorant people misunderstand that Dhanaparamita is the key, and it's the it, and it's it's the entry point to all the other ones, right? Um, and and the monk says, well, then why is it called Dhanaparamita? And he says, well. Because, because Donna means relinquishment. And the monk says, relinquishment of what? And the and Hui Hai says, well, you know, dualistic thinking. And then he goes on, there's more much more that come on. He goes on to explain that it they were talking about the you know all of the dualisms that that drive our tendency to screw things up, right? The the you know the dualism that Gives rise to those barriers and poisons that we were talking about earlier, right? So um, it seems pretty clear to me that in the that in that formulation, each of the paramitas is the key, right? Yeah, and you can look you can look at at the practice of being awake and living comfortably and skillfully with the human condition as mutually dependent on the practice of the paramitas, right? Um, so, you know, giving, relinquishing dualistic thinking. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, executing all our behaviors in accordance with the precepts in a way that's utterly non-transactional. That's just because that's because that's essentially devotional. Right? Um, and so on, right, um, and, and then leading around to, to wisdom, this kind of um, confluence of the inner world and the outer world that happens in a way that's, that, that's unconditioned, spacious, and unloaded, right, That's the, that's the practice. Um, And that, that practice then converts the precepts, each of the precepts as, as from proscriptions to, to kind of lenses and, um, and invitations to, to a particular domain of self-study, right? So like, let's, you know, pick one. The, um, the last five precepts are pretty much all about the kinds of social interactions that happen inside and to a certain extent outside uh, sanghas, right? So, you know, like there's one that says, yeah, don't, don't go around telling stories about people, right? Not particularly negative stories, but maybe even not any stories. Right. Um, and if we just pick that one up and hold it in the light of the practice of the paramitas, we can see the way that it works in, in our own experience, in our own particular version of the human condition, right? Like, um, you can see the way in which, you um, the the conditional and transactional um, flavor of our everyday diligence naturally leads to friction and 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 maybe a little bit of oh wow I'm doing this so much better than or I'm doing this so much worse than this other person right um, and 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 it can lead to resentment and difficulty right. Um, are the, um, the to really be with people with within a community in a way that doesn't lead to gossip and talebearing um, requires a kind of a kind of unconditioned generosity right um, you you don't have to um, You don't have to do anything when people, you know, in some sense, mess up because there are no mistakes, and 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 we're and everyone's behavior is connected with everyone else's, et cetera, right? So, and and et cetera, right? Um, How much time have I got? Hmm, lots of time. Nice. And and so what you can see is that the that the that the precepts are held in this way that that aligns with, for example, Dogen's um, you know most famous summation of how the how the way of practice works. You study the self, and when you study the self. You, you well, it's usually translated as forget, but you could also say you transcend the self, right? Um, and the and the the invitations to different specific domains of self study are um, are invited by the precepts, or they're, are made by the precepts. Right? Um, and 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 why are they those? those particular precepts, you know, not killing, not lying, not stealing, not uh, intoxicating the self or other, and this isn't the right order, but not engaging in sexual misconduct, not gossiping, not, you know, harboring ill will, et cetera, all not not praising self at the expense of others, pumping yourself up and putting others down, not being stingy, not, um, uh, not, not misusing or defaming the the practice the Buddha Dharma and Sangha which is to say you know the practice the teachings and the community right um, the, the way the reason why those were chosen is simply because they're the most obvious ways um, ways into the study of how we mess things up. Um, that everybody and and wh- one of the ways you can you can recognize that is that a lot of them are the same as the other rule sets that people came up with over the course of um millennia trying to figure out how to get people to stop messing up right that you know they're not unlike the ten commandments um that they're, they're just held in this in this frame of emphasizing experience and um, and pointing to both inner and outer conduct, pointing to, to, as Richard Baker said, when he came here to talk a number of years ago, our inner and outer posture, right? It's like, this is the outer posture. Somewhere lurking in here is an inner posture. And that inner posture is both Completely intertwined with the outer posture, and also either mutually supporting, or, or the, your inner posture and your outer posture can struggle, right? Um, and that leads to suffering, um, among other things. Um, I guess in the end, I'd just say this, right? The ultimate framing for that goes back really to the earliest Buddhist doctrine, the Dharma, right? That we have installed in our bodies and minds multiple modes of being and engagement that are mostly obscured. because the because our activity of self-reification, self narration, um, uh, you know future planning, wrangling with the past, um, social um, you know social gymnastics and and so on is, is so involving, so in- attention-grabbing, and to- so and such a, a expenditure of energy that we barely notice a lot of the other ones. And and the when you when you look at the Zen literature, you start to see that that. It's mostly about allowing those other modes of being an engagement. The 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 luminous sense of unconstructed, unloaded and receptive attention that Takes in everything, including, interestingly, the machinations of our of our self construct, and um, meets it in a way that ranges between unconditioned appreciation, delight, and empathy. Right, lovely. Right, the our tremendous capacity to, to resonate with other beings and things, right? To 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 care deeply about the the perceptions that we that we bring forward of how people are doing, how they're expressing it, um, how rocks, trees, and bicycles are doing, cats too, do, um, and 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 generating empathic, compassionate concern. Um, we use that all the time too, because we're we're constantly using our perceptions of other people. We just don't fully inhabit it, right? And to fully inhabit it is to is to um, is to kind of fully inhabit the practice of kuan yin. Right? So when when we're practicing in that way, fully bringing along the whole picture of what it is to be human, then it's not like we never screw up. Of course we screw up all the time. (laughs) The bodhisattva vow that celebrates the qualities of the bodhisattva says, um, you know, delusions are inexhaustible, But, but we have a much more solid and skillful um, basis on which to meet all of it, including our diluted misbehavior. Hmm. So thank you so much for listening. That was a rambling talk (laughs) and not at all like the one I gave last week. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, please visit sfzc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.